0: Welcome to The Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word, through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible in the Gospel of John, right here, right now, on The Eternal Connection.
1: And once again, you are eternally connected. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska where each week on this program we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, of his life, death, and resurrection from the dead. That is our only hope of salvation, and that salvation is brought to us through his word, his word and holy scripture, the Bible that we dig into each and every week here, uh, because that is our hope, that is our strength to get through what is... uh, Proving to be an increasingly crazy world.
2: It is, <laughs> it is definitely that. Hi,
1: Chip, Jason, how you doing? Doing great myself, thank good, you. Good, good. Glad to you know, be here. It was crazy maybe for you and I, Chip, because we were stuck here in in our hometown. But <laughs> for the past two weeks, Jason, Jason has been in the Grand Cayman Islands. Ah, the world I, traveler. I and it, you came back. I wish it was two weeks, but it was only six nights, seven days. Oh, okay. Okay. But yes. How was it? Uh, very beautiful part of the world. Yep. We had a great time. I mean, if you're into beaches, hot weather, hot weather and water, it's the place to be. That's it? No, no other fun tales, good stories Um, that you can share on a Christian radio show? (laughs) Yeah, we, I do have a snafu of uh, comedy that we could share real quick. Uh, My amazing wife booked a restaurant dinner for us and... Unfortunately, she found the restaurant uh, titled The Beach House, and it was in Bradenton, Florida. So when we showed up for this reservation, the restaurant was nothing like what she thought. Uh-oh. And so we sat down and had the best meal that we could, <laughs> and they were super awesome, and they even made this beautiful anniversary dessert but it was quite the adventure. So, what is the best meal meal you could make out of it? Uh, it was fresh caught that day, tuna. Oh, um, brought, you know, somewhere locally. Um, and she's not a seafood lover, and the entire restaurant only served seafood. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> well, to be fair, a place called the Beach House, you would assume perhaps that.
1: Now in Florida, in we looked at their menu later and laughed about it, and they had. A, an awesome menu and lots of food she'd love if we're ever in Braytonton, Florida.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I can already uh, hear you planning your yeah. next trip. Yeah.
1: Well, that sounds like a wonderful vacation, but uh, a vacation is certainly not what we're going to be reading about today. Right. Uh, as we continue in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, as we pick up in verse 17. Um, the account of Jesus being crucified. Uh, before we get into that and follow our Lord to the cross that brings our salvation, Chip, why don't you pray for us?
2: Heavenly Father, as we read in your word uh, the marvelous account of your Son going to the cross willingly to do your will, Lord, uh, that he would save us, uh, that we would have the ability, uh, not in and of ourselves, but purely through his sacrifice. To live with you and he forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, John 19, 17,
1: the account of Jesus' crucifixion, just a very brief build up into that. Jesus has been on trial talking with Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate has uh, been convicted by this Jesus guy, an otherwise brutal governor of Judea, uh, was hesitant to actually carry out beatings and carry out crucifixion and killing, something he had done without hesitation many times before. But there was just something about this Jesus, um, who is the truth, as Jesus said in John 14, that, that convicted Pilate, but unfortunately, uh, Pilate's concerns about Caesar's approval and, and keeping the, the peace on earth uh, prevailed, and he handed Jesus over to be crucified. And that's where we pick up in verse seventeen. They took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There, they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Couple, couple things. Um... Bearing his own cross. Yeah. That would be carrying his own cross? Yeah, historically we're pretty certain that what it meant was that Jesus was carrying the cross beam, the horizontal beam. They would typically have the vertical beam already in place, um, and that would be laying flat on the ground with the bottom of the cross positioned so that as soon as it's lifted up it falls into the hole. Um, And then they would first affix the cross beam and then lay Jesus on it, crucify him on the ground on his back, and then lift him up as he's crucified. So the, the cross beam was no small portion. that was anywhere from about 80 to 100 pounds. So he's carrying a cross beam. Not the whole cross. Not the whole cross. But obviously for the sake of describing what he was enduring, we can say the cross and everybody understands what that means. Yeah. I think the most second part, sorry, the most important second part of 17 there is uh, no, it'd be 18. Sorry. You just nonchalantly said there they crucified him. <laughs> yeah. Jason, you've picked up on, on two very important parts of these first two verses. Um, yeah, going back to 17, bearing his own cross, uh, what a shocking statement, especially considering what Pilate proclaimed about Jesus, which was what he was innocent. I find no guilt in him. Mm-hmm. So he was bearing his cross, but not for his sins. It's a very powerful moment where you see that Jesus is taking ownership for the sins of the world. That is, Corinthians says, he became sin, who knew no sin, that through his bearing our sins, we might become the righteousness of God through faith, through trust that Jesus was the sufficient sacrifice and he bore our cross he made it his own and crucifixion from previous conversations on the show was a standard punishment yeah standard in the sense that it was it was standard and uh, but yet still reserved for specific crimes typically crimes against the state Uh, espionage, uh, revolts, uh, people that tried to overthrow. um, Crucifixion wasn't something you got for shoplifting or uh, this was to be made an example of. And so crucifixion wasn't just to punish and bring pain, but it was literally a billboard. It was, if you want to do this, this is what happens to You want to challenge Caesar? Because that's eventually what what pushed Pilate into crucifying Christ, the, the Jews said he's he's setting himself up as king. And what's Caesar going to say about that? And so, hence you have the crucifixion.
2: Well, I think there's historical record of many times where crucifixion was used, where there would crucify a lot of people Hundreds. at the same time. Yep. And it would serve as a warning to people because they would do this outside the city. So right. if you were coming into the city, yep. you would see you, you often would have to travel through this group of people that were on crosses uh, dying.
1: And their, their crimes would be nailed above their head on the placard, right? Where we're going to read the, the placard above Jesus' head read, here's the king of the Jews. Which was a true statement. <laughs> but so much more absolutely now where I was initially going with that is in 17 it talks about him bearing his own cross with uh, crucifixion being kind of a high crime punishment did that carrying of the his own cross or bearing his own cross did that happen with others or was Jesus unique in, in the fact that he carried his to that that point yeah, this, this was a common thing, that they would make criminals carry their cross. Okay. I would say, based off of the historical record that we have, it's a safe assumption that the unique part of Jesus bearing it was that he was bearing it given a beating that was abnormally brutal. I think the, the statement in 18, they crucified him, and with him, two others on either side, having never read this before, I was expecting a little more there. I was really shocked that is there they crucified him four words. Yeah, and and how but but think about how those four words grabbed your attention. Right? I mean, what here's the the great question that we could talk about. What what would you have expected them to write? What were you anticipating? I don't know. I was just giving you kind of my natural reaction like it was it was just so quick, but It's not so quick. I mean, we're still talking about it hundreds and thousands of years later. Well, I think for for you and I living in what is truly a blessed age (laughs) for all of our problems and all the craziness in the world, um, we want to hear more because we are not intimately familiar with crucifixion. In those days, all you had to say was they crucified him And everybody was very familiar with all that that entailed. You did not have to go into detail about the horrors of what was happening to Christ. Uh, You know, you've heard less is more. And sometimes that's absolutely true.
2: Well, and Jason, you made the comment about the fact that we're still talking about it. You know, the reason we're still talking about it is because it is the one event that God intended, that's why Jesus was born, is to go and perform this one task, which was to die in this manner, and that changed the world forever.
1: Yeah, I think the other significant part of verse 18, where they, they not only crucified him, which is, which is a fulfillment of prophecy in and of itself, being hung on a tree, that anyone who's hung on a tree, the Old Testament said, is cursed by God. And Jesus certainly was cursed, right? As we talked about from him bearing his own cross, he's cursed with our sins. But they mentioned there were two others, one on either side. And that is also a fulfillment of prophecy. If you go back to Isaiah 53, in verse 12, it says that he was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered with criminals, and he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressor, intercession for the criminals. So Jesus is crucified in between two other individuals who are worthy of the treatment that they're receiving, as we will come to read. And Jesus is the man in the middle. The one who has come down, as John told us in John 1, from heaven to overcome darkness. And Jesus doesn't do that just by staying up in heaven and and giving edicts and throwing down lightning bolts. No, God does that by coming here himself into the middle of our sin, the middle of our pain, taking it on himself, not just to take it away from us, but to conquer it, to defeat it. Well, you know, to read ahead, you mentioned just a moment ago the inscription. So um, that's where I was kind of reading ahead as you were talking there, just kind of taking it all in. And uh, it says Pilate wrote it. Well, yeah, we, he commanded it to be written. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suppose that he wrote it with his own hand, but through through command, probably his sentencing, told the soldiers to write, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Now, Pilate's not writing that as a confession, right? He's writing that to say, if any of you other Jews think you're going to make yourself a king of your own people, here's what's coming. Was he really writing it for that, though? I mean... He he didn't even see the issue in. You know he didn't see what Jesus did wrong. So no, what, uh, he he could not point out something that Jesus did wrong. But I think as we talked about in the last couple of episodes, especially if he's saying this man's innocent, what did drive Pilate to crucify Christ? Fear, fear of who? Well, of, Fear of, of the, Caesar, of the boss. of the revolt of the Jews. Yeah, because if they revolted, it's his
2: head, right? He would he would suffer the same. So fate.
1: Pilate's saying, I mean, <clears throat> and we could talk about this in length, right? I know this isn't maybe necessarily true, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm afraid of so and so, or I don't want to pay the consequences, so I'm going to sacrifice the very truth of what I just said. I, I find no guilt in him because I'm afraid of these Jews revolt. And and again, the irony, I'll say it again, because you have if you don't know, you should know. This is unique in Pilate's history. He he would have any other time he wouldn't have hesitated. We have accounts of it in scripture. To to just bury the Jews. Solve this problem. No, I'm not crucifying him. You guys are out of your mind, so I'm gonna put you to the sword. That would not be outside the realm of of Pilate's character up until this point. The question has to be asked, why did he do it this this way? And the only answer is because Pilate wasn't in control. This is the way it had to be. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he came here to do this, and no matter what, it's going to get done. And, And when you know the historical background, it just screams the power of God, the sovereignty of God, and that's what puts hope in the cross as brutal and ugly. And, and hard to, to look at as it was and as it is. That is God's work of salvation. So then, Jason, you already brought us through uh, verse 19. In verse 20, many of the Jews read this inscription that Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Jesus is on the cross dying. Yes. And he's worried about what it reads? Jesus isn't worried about it. No. The chief priest, he's already got what he needs, right? Or what he wanted? Oh yeah, but but this isn't working out the way that the chief priests thought. I don't I don't understand not following like if Jesus is already on the cross dying, why does the chief priest care what the sign reads? Because if it does read the king of the Jews, now this whole thing is starting to work against them. Right? Like I said, the message is now you're never having a king. When you think king of the Jews, this is what you should picture. That's what Pilate's saying. And what did the Jews want more than anything else? To deny that?
2: Oh, they wanted a king. They, they wanted. They a- wanted somebody that would come conquer Rome for them, so yeah. that they could be in power.
1: Sure, I should. I should have said to deny Jesus that. Well, yeah, and by denying Jesus, and that's the whole irony of the situation. By denying Jesus, who is the Messiah, they were actually working against their own freedom, working against their own salvation. They were looking for a Messiah who would bring them earthly salvation, salvation from their problems, salvation from tyranny, rather than the bigger issue at hand, which was freedom from sin, from death. That's a hard thing to see. Uh, It's easy to be blind from that. Well, yeah, there's, there's huge connections for us in this, right? I mean, sometimes, as we talked about in the past, I don't know, three weeks worth of sermons at St. Mark looking at the resurrection account, you see what you believe. And so Mary Magdalene, even though the tomb was empty, Jesus was risen, Jesus is literally looking her in the face and talking to her. She sees a gardener. Why? Because she believes Jesus is dead. Even though he said, no, 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 (laughs) three days later I'm going to rise. Which is why the angels say, "Why are you weeping? Did he not tell you?" And how many times did Jesus tell the chief priests and the Pharisees? But it's not what they wanted. Which should be a big warning to us about the expectations we put on God. Jesus rises three days later. He his body's not in the tomb. Yep, and he's present physically with others, and is he is his body in perfect shape or does the bible address that or is it still you you still see the 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 torture you see the scars do you you don't see the actual wounds and that that's talked about hmm. yeah in detail as a matter of fact that's what we will see when we get to heaven we will know it's him by his scars Is what revelation says interesting So verse 23, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture again. (laughs) Uh, a beautiful recurring theme. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. Which, casting lots is gambling. What What's the tie there? I don't understand. They're sitting around waiting for this guy to die. right? So how are you going to pass the time? You can't break out your iPhone <laughs> and, and play... I don't know what game people play. Candy uh, Crush. Sudoku, Candy Crush. Um, So they're sitting around, and because there's a tunic here, and maybe it's a memento, maybe it's a sick way of remembering, and, you know, I don't know what's going through their head, but they're going to gamble away Jesus' clothing. The why is far less significant than the what's happening. And Psalm 22, in addition to Isaiah 53, is another astonishingly detailed account of what was going to happen to God's Messiah. And part of that prophecy in Psalm 22 is exactly what John quotes. They divided my garments among them, and they gambled
2: for my clothing. And that would have been written several hundred years before this ever happened. Yeah. Several, so I'm several sh- hundred. I'm, I'm quite sure that the Roman soldiers didn't know that they were fulfilling prophecy. Right. <laughs> Nor when they put a crown
1: on him and a robe on him and hailed him as king. Right. Yeah. And, and, and again, you feel I mean, part of you is, is infuriating as, I, as, as it is to me when I read this, because this is, this is a man who truly doesn't deserve this. Uh, you, you also kind of have to feel sorry for these soldiers who are just absolutely blind clueless clueless and and i hope you know without talking about specifics because i think we all know what it is when you look out into this world and you just see the absolute rejection of god and and people that celebrate it there's yeah a part of you that gets angry, right? I hope there's some just righteous anger, but then there's also a part that I hope breaks our heart because they just they just don't know.
2: When I was just talking about that topic this morning, and I find that I, as I get older, the longing for heaven becomes more pointed, uh, because we, the I guess the best way that I could put it is, the longer I live, the more I understand that this is not my home. I am not from here. You know, we are we are foreigners in a foreign land, and, you know, the idea that the world can somehow make itself better. No, it <laughs> right. can't it's broken,
1: yeah and and I guess uh, I'll say this in specific I was I was listening to some commentary from some folks who were uh, could be easily classified as conservative Christians talking about some of the things going on in the world uh, typically in their conversation, it was the whole transgender issue sure. and yeah, there is some some righteous anger that I have even as a Christian father because this this whole ideology, is is no longer about just let me do what I'm going to do and you do what you're going to do. Now they're going after children. Yes, and they're targeting them, yep. and they're not ashamed to say so. So there's there's a, you know whether you want to call it Papa Bear or whatever, some anger. But yet at the same time, knowing we're not of this world, and because we know the truth, it shouldn't just leave us frustrated and angry. It should also we should look at that and just, as it did for Jesus, as much as he was frustrated, it broke his heart to the point where he was able to, to lay down his own life for this. And I think that's a message to us Christians. If we really want to see the change, it should break our hearts enough to, to share the message. And yeah, it's going to result in kickback and, and anger. And I don't know what, uh, but our salvation is secure. You can long for heaven chip and Jason and me, because we know it's ours. We know Christ. There are people that just have no assurance. Right. And when you have no assurance of life and salvation, Chaos is what happens.
2: When I think it's, I find myself praying just last night, Lord, don't let what's going on in the world and what I observe and what I get mad at turn my heart to stone so that I don't share you with them. And that's difficult. When, when you're angry at somebody whether it's an individual person that you actually have connection with or not just some things over the past week have have come up in in my life it's difficult as a sinful man to not allow anger to override grace right yes right. cuz we're in need of the same grace we absolutely are right. and and that's the thing we have to look back at ourselves and and say just what we talked about a few weeks ago where you answered a listener question on condition the sin are all sins equal uh-huh. before god we're all sinners yeah. we're 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 all broken here we're we're all living in a on a broken planet that we broke and so you know the idea that we can we need to be angry about the things that anger god but at the same time we're we're not called to be the ones that mete out justice. That's God's job. Yeah. We're called to share Christ. the amazing grace that God has given us as equal sinners to the person that we're mad at. Yeah,
1: and I, I absolutely. And I would say with that, grace does not override God's righteousness. Right. So we can share that grace. We can be loving even while we deliver the message of what God says is truly right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and we deliver it not because we say so, but because that is what God has said in His Word. And He has said two things. There is a right and a wrong. All of us have done wrong. All of us deserve the cross. But the good news is Jesus bore
0: our cross. He made His cross from our own, from what we deserve. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com to find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.